0: Okay, well, if you're new here, uh, we are doing a series on the Sermon on the Mount. So the Sermon on the Mount is uh, basically in Matthew chapter 5, 6, and the very first part of 7. And what the Lord has spoken to, to us about is just to really walk through the Sermon on the Mount verse by verse, scripture by scripture, passage by passage, and don't skip anything. So if you were here the past couple weeks, you will recognize and know that we didn't skip anything. We talked about adultery, we talked about divorce, we talked about things that we don't usually talk about at church. So if you miss any of those, I just encourage you to go to our Spotify account or uh, anywhere where you can um, kind of listen to messages and, and take a look at those. But today we're at the next passage of scripture in Matthew 5 starting in verse 33 and the title today is yes and no. Yes and no and no these are like very very simple words are they not very simple we got yes which is three letters we've got no which is two letters And these words actually mean so much, and there's so much behind them. And Jesus talks about them, and we're going to look at those here in a minute to see what did Jesus mean? What did he talk about we were talking about promises or oaths or our yeses and our noes? What does that mean in the context of being a believer? So let's read through that, and we're going to unpack some of that this morning. Matthew 5, starting verse 33, again, you have heard it. That it was said to those of old, you shall not swear falsely, but shall perform your oaths to the Lord. But I say to you, do not swear at all, neither by heaven, for it is God's throne, nor by earth, for it is his footstool, nor by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king. Nor shall you swear by your head, because you cannot make one hair white or black, Let your yes be yes, and your no be no, for whatever is more than these is from the evil one. So that's some tough passages. We're going to focus a little bit on the front half, and then I'll spend most of the time on the back half of this. So let's go back to verse 33. It says this, again, you have heard when it was said to those of old, you shall not swear falsely, but shall perform your oaths to the Lord. And I, I kind of titled this little passage here called Promises, Promises. Yeah? How many of you know what a promise is? Oh, yeah. There are promises out there. And I'll give a little story about the Ackerman household and what that means. But in the Old Testament, there's teaching over and over and over about keeping our oaths. And not to swear falsely. And then what the Pharisees were doing, and Jesus was addressing this in this passage of Scripture, is that there were these legal loopholes that they were trying to manipulate things with. How many ever know of the legal loopholes that maybe sometimes we try to go? I'll give you a fun one. Somebody calls on the phone, and you don't want to talk to them, and your spouse answers the phone. Oh, hello, oh, hi, so-and-so. And you do one of those, I'm in the bathroom. And you run to the bathroom, so as to not be lying, right? And then you jump in the bathroom and shut the door. And then you hear your spouse say, I'm sorry, he's in the bathroom, he'll have to call you, which is an honest statement, right? And so these are these things that we do, and that's a funny one, but there are things we do in our lives in which we try to manipulate or create these loopholes around. Look, I work in the business world as well, and we are in like these, we're in these contract negotiations with another company, and there's verbiage in there that says this company will pay all costs. A-L-L. Now, how many of you have any confusion over what all means? Well, I will tell you what. It is amazing how two different parties can interpret the word all very differently. I mean, I'm talking about legal battles and, like, threats, and you're like, it just says all. It seems so simple. But we change and we manipulate things and we stretch things. Well, that's not really what I meant by all. What? what? What else could you possibly have meant by all? Oh, right? Brother Paul knows this, right? In these legal contracts and building a home, there's all these things. You shall do this, and you shall do this, and you shall do this. And you have to do those things. And you better do it. Right? And so there's these, these things out there, these legal loopholes that the Pharisees were trying to, like, manipulate around. And I'm going to show you a couple of what they were trying to go do. But Jesus, what Jesus is saying is here, don't try to trick words around. If you say you're going to do something, then do it. And in our home growing up, it was something called, uh, if somebody in our household promised something, it absolutely had to be done. Now, so, and I'm going to talk a little bit about this later. So all of our words, no matter what we say, we should be people of our word. But when I was growing up, it was just like, you know, can I have a lollipop later? You know, my mom was just, oh, yeah, yeah, sure, 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 sure. And then when the t- came time for the lollipop, it was like, well, no. It's right before dinner. You can't have a lollipop. And you're just like, whoa, what's going on here? I thought you said I could have a lollipop, and now I can't have a lollipop. So what I would begin to do growing up is I would say, mom, do you promise me <laughs> that I can have a lollipop later? And she'd be like, well, well, like I knew it. I knew it. So what you were saying was just, eh, it was just to try to get me to go away or do something. And what Jesus is saying is he wants our words to be our words. And that we, that God sees everything that we're saying. and He sees everything that we're speaking out. And so what he wants to do is, yes, there are these promises in, the, in, our, in our household. And yes, it's important sometimes we have to make a promise because we have to commit ourselves to do it. But don't say, I promise, unless you can deliver. In fact, many of the things we have to watch the words that we say. How many of we know this? We have to watch the words that we say. In parenting, oh, we'll talk about that here in a little bit. It's like you have to be careful of the words that you say. Kids will try to get us to say this all the time. They say, oh, can you promise, can you promise, can you promise? Because they know that when we promise, it's like an oath to them. Verse 34 says this, but I say to you, don't swear at all. So now Jesus is saying, just don't swear at all. Neither by heaven, for it's God's throne, nor by earth, for it's his footstool, nor by Jerusalem, for it's the city of the great king. Nor shall you swear by your head, because you cannot make one hair white or black. And so what Jesus was doing to the Pharisees here is they were looking for the legal loopholes. Like, well, you know, I won't actually swear to God or swear to the Lord. What I'll do is I'll swear uh, by God's, what about by heaven? But guess where God's throne is? In heaven. Well, how about maybe I'll just swear by the earth? And what Jesus says, hey, no, can't do that either, for that's his footstool. Well, how about by Jerusalem? I'll just swear by Jerusalem. No, 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 no. I know we don't talk that way anymore, but this is what God is trying to explain to us. For it's the city of the great king. And then he starts saying, how about you swear by your head? How many of you see our heads, yeah? There's not much I can do about what's going on up here. Okay, I mean, there are things you can do, you know, but really at the end of the day... You can't swear by anything because it's in God's hands. My body, my life is in God's hands. He is the one. So when we think about it, so what Jesus is talking about here, that when we make an oath, when we do something, that make it, it actually weakens the truth. How many of you th- think about that for a second? When we actually make an oath or we make a promise, that so we say, oh, well, I will promise to do that. We're actually weakening the truth because it's saying, well, does everything else that you're saying not really matter? Is all those other words that are coming out of your mouth, things that don't really care, do you not really mean them or really believe them? Think about it. The only reason that an oath exists is because lies exist. Gone are the time of the business handshake and say, yeah, sure. I promise to pay all the costs. No, you have to have a 75-page legal document that has to be reviewed by all these different people because of what? Because lies exist and trickery exists and there's different nuances of different things in which people do. If everyone, everywhere, always told the truth, there'd be no need for oaths. And we talked about this a couple of weeks ago within marriage. I mean, when you got married, you stand up and gave your, gave your wedding vows. Said, so I commit to do these things. And then how many of you know, like two weeks into it, you're like, wow, why, I can't believe I committed to do those things. Like, this is really uncomfortable. I'm not happy right now. I don't want to do those things. But you committed to do those things, right? And so this is, these, we live in this world, so we have, to, we have to understand that our flesh wants to really go against those things. So here's Dietrich Bonhoeffer. I have another quote from him. It's not, on the, not up there, but I'll just say this. It says, the Old Testament condemned the lie... By the use of the oath. But Jesus in these passages destroys the lie by forbidding oaths altogether. The oath must go, since it's only a protection for the lie. Ooh. That's good. I mean, that that's a smart man right there. That's good stuff. And the reason why he's saying that is is that God is always a witness to what you say. He's always a witness to what you say. So Jesus absolutely destroys this, and he goes, and he completely says, hey, you can't think about this anymore. You can't swear by heaven, because it's God's throne. You can't swear by earth, because it's his footstool. You can't swear by Jerusalem, because that's his city. And he completely destroys all of that. And what, how many we've, actually, Pastor Liz talked about it before. Jesus really came to destroy religion. We have all these religions, and we don't realize that Jesus actually came to destroy religion this thought of religion, because Jesus always goes after the truth. He is all about the truth, and he always goes after the truth, and he wants us to be truthful in the words that we say as well. So let's move to verse 37, and I want to spend some time here because I think it's important for us to to take a look at this, this last verse for a minute. It says this, but let your yes be yes, and your no, no, for whatever is more then these is from the evil one. Ooh. Let your yes be yes. So what Jesus is saying here is your yes and your no should be sufficient. How many of you know as parents we do the old flip-flop? Right? I was talking about it with a lollipop. But we flip-flop all the time. You know, can you have screen time? Sure, you can have screen time. Wait, wait no, you can't have screen time. Wait, we're just about to leave. And now you don't have your shoes on. What's going on? Where are your shoes? Well, Dad, you said I could have screen time. And like we begin to have these issues because we're not firm on our yeses and our nos. We see this all the time. And what the Bible is talking about here is that it even says that Satan there, who is the father of lies. And so I call this yes and no. There's two issues here. The first issue is indecision. How many of you can be sometimes plagued by indecision? I'll raise my hand for you. Yeah. And I think of indecision as the squirrel in the middle of the road. Okay, you'll remember this sermon by every time you see the squirrel in the middle of the road, it comes out and goes back, it comes out and goes back. And you're like, you're not even slowing down. Like I'm coming 40 miles an hour and I'm, I, like I can't swerve, I can't get around. Like you need, to, you need to do something, you need to decide, you need to decide. And, you say, and then you go, all right. How many of you do this as you drive past I didn't feel anything, you know, or sometimes you drive by and you go, oh, and you do your little rear view mirror, like one eye, like, oh, please, I hope it just took care of it right away, right, and you you do the little one eye thing, but it's this this life of indecision that we get ourselves wrapped up into, and even as Christians, we do it as well, because we're like, well, does the Lord want me to do that? Hmm, Should I go to the grocery store? Does the Lord want me to go to the grocery store? I don't know. Is there food in the house? No. So yes, go to the grocery store. Right? But we get plagued with this indecision in life, and we're just like, and what the Lord is trying to tell us and show us, like, look, what is the reason, and this is what we've been talking about in the previous passages of Scripture, the same thing. We have to trust in the Lord. What is the reason why we're being indecisive? And we have to ask the Lord that. Because sometimes there's a very valid reason as to why we're being indecisive. And we have to ask the Lord, what is it? Here's some questions that I put up there that we can really begin to look at or to ask ourselves. What is the root of this indecision? Is it fear? Maybe you're like, I just don't know if I can switch this job right now. I just don't know if I can do it. I feel like the Lord's leading me to do it. But I just, I, I just, I'm not sure if this is, this is God's plan or his purpose. I'm a little worried about this new company. I'm worried about the boss. I'm worried about this. I'm worried about that. And you begin to, if you begin to think and ask questions about what's actually happening. Why are you the squirrel in the middle of the road? What do you, you're trying to go somewhere and you're stuck between two different places and you start bouncing back and forth. So what is it? What is the actual thing that is making you be indecisive? Like the the going to the grocery store is kind of a funny example, but there are really serious things that happen in people's lives. That the Lord wants us to be confident in our decisions and let our yes be yes and our no be no and to move forward. And the way the Bible talks about this, and we've talked about this before, it could be worry, it could be lack of self-confidence, it could be hurt from the past, it could be any of these things, but here's what it says in James for us. James 1, verse starting in verse 5, if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God. If you're the squirrel in the middle of the road this morning, let's ask God for wisdom. Because he is the one who provides it. It says he'll give it to all liberally without reproach and it will be given to him. Which means no matter what happened this morning, no matter how you got yourself into the middle of the road. maybe Maybe it was a sin. Maybe it was this issue. Maybe it was that issue. Whatever it was on why you're in the middle of the road, the Bible says, ask the Lord for wisdom and he'll give doesn't mean you had to be perfect that day. doesn't mean that you had to say, well, I better say enough prayers leading up to this so that I can, you know. No, it doesn't say that. It says, ask the Lord for the wisdom. And then in verse 6, it says, but let him ask what in faith. You have to believe that God is who he says he is and that he'll do what he says he'll do. Which means you can't just be like, oh, Lord, I don't know if you'll give me an answer to this. And I'm not sure if you're even hearing me or listening to me, but I need an answer on this. Now, that's an honest prayer a lot of times, and God loves an honest prayer. But if you listen to our voices and listen to what we're saying or even what we're saying in our heart, we realize now we are not positioning ourselves in faith to receive from the Lord. We have to to begin to build our faith up because he, he says, ask in faith. Without doubting, for he who doubts is like a squirrel in the middle of the road. No, that's not what it says. He who doubts is like the wave of the sea driven, tossed to and fro, back and forth. How many of that sounds like the squirrel in the middle of the road? Right? Oh, this way. Maybe I'll go this way. Maybe I'll go this way. Oh my gosh, a car's coming. I'm not sure what to do. Freeze. Right? Boom. Verse 7 says, Then let not, him, let not the man suppose he will receive anything from Lord. He who is double minded is unstable and always waits. The squirrel is unstable. And sometimes we feel and are unstable in our lives. But what does the Lord say for us to do? Look, God says, Ask him for wisdom and he'll provide it. So what do we do as, as Christians, those who've accepted him and believe in him, is we pray, we hear from God, we decide, and we walk in peace. We pray. We hear from God, we decide, and then we walk in peace. Because there are so many times in our lives when we have to say, Lord, I need, there is an oncoming car and it's coming pretty quick and I need, Lord, your help to make a decision. And when we ask him, when we take a moment to go on a prayer walk, to go outside, to just still our minds for a second, begin to hear God's voice, not audibly, but in our hearts and in our spirit man to his, to his spirit, we begin to hear his direction, and his guidance for our lives. We hear from him, and then we can move. With that decision, we can move forward. And we decide, and as we've always said on, you know, many times we've talked about this, is we just begin to walk in the direction of peace. What does God have for us? Is there peace? Does that mean that that direction is easy? Does that mean that that direction or decision that he has comes, um, oh, everything's going to be warm and fuzzy no matter what happens? No, a lot of times it's not that way. But we have to be certain that we just sit back, we pray, we hear from God, we decide, and then we walk in peace. Then the second piece of this, the second piece of this is what I'll call boundaries. Now those who know me know that I struggle a bit, don't say anything, with boundaries. I am, so I'll give you an example of how I I struggle with boundaries. A lot of times I'll bring my little iPhone, actually I have an iPhone Max, it's not little at all, it's actually quite big. So I have this iPhone, and it'll be in the room with us wherever we are. We're having some family time, and we're enjoying ourselves together. And <coughs> <coughs> somebody's texted me. I wonder who it is. And so I go over to the phone, and I'll pick it up, and I'll look at it. And now the boundary of me being with my family and in family time has completely been interrupted by whomever it was. It doesn't matter who it was. And, and uh, Liz will always ask you. She's like, oh, who's in the room with us now? And that's a fair question, because we've allowed, there's a boundary that I did not set that caused this indecision, this yes and no, this back and forth, and that we have to understand that, look, there are boundaries and guardrails that we need to put up in our lives. How many of you know that to be true? How many parents know that there are times where we have to put some boundaries and guidelines on our children? Well, God shows us many times that we too have to have boundaries and guidelines and guardrails for our lives in different areas of our life. And I'll walk through a couple of them. And do you know why God encourages us to put those boundaries up? Because it keeps us safe. It actually keeps us safe. And there's many things, and I'll talk through a couple of these examples. But when he says your yes be yes and your no be no, he wants us to understand that we need to put up boundaries and that no, church, is an acceptable answer. Most people are like, wait, what? You mean when somebody calls, I just have to drop everything I'm doing and run to them? You mean the moment I get that text, I have to respond to it? You mean the moment someone says, will you serve in this ministry? You say, yes, 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 yes. You know, yes, there is no boundary in yes. What you're doing when you continue to say yes, you just keep opening up this boundary till there is no boundary. And we have to recognize, church, that no is actually an acceptable answer in life regarding questions. So some boundary areas. I'll just wrap this up here in a minute. Grace, if you want to come back up here, boundary areas in our life. There are boundaries we can put up in relationships, in parenting, in our jobs, in ministry. There are many different examples, and I don't have time to go through each of these examples that I was laying out here today. But there are many examples in which we set a boundary in our life. And I talked about this one that I set when I worked at GE a while ago about saying, you know what, my family time comes first from the hours of 5 p.m. to 8 p.m. And I set a boundary at GE, and I decided I was going to leave every day, no matter what was going on at that time, and set a boundary. And that boundary actually was a witness to a bunch of other people saying that they realized and they saw that there was someone willing enough to set a boundary to move forward and put family as a priority in their life. Currently, I'm in the midst of a battle of boundaries. Most of you know I'm bivocational, and being bivocational, sometimes you get bounced around a little bit between something going on at the church or something going on in, your, in the secular job and then vice versa. And I've been really good, and everyone's been really good at working with, you know, keeping the boundaries. It's Mondays at the church, Tuesdays at the job, Wednesdays at the church, Thursdays at the job. Well, because of all that contractual stuff that all doesn't mean all that I was talking about earlier there's this sucking sound that's pulling me Mondays and Wednesdays and Fridays into this other job. And I've been trying, and how many know once we start saying we've been trying, we need the Lord's help? Because once we start saying we're trying, that means we're doing it on our own. And I've asked the Lord, I need help, and so I've very, been very careful this past week to say I cannot answer that text right now. I cannot take that call back. In fact, I told the chairman of the board at our company, I'm sorry, I'm not available today. He texted me at 7 a.m. Like, you're not available at all? For the entire day? That's the boundary. And there are boundaries in our life, and maybe you're, you're listening to me this morning, and you know that there are certain things that you need to put boundaries around. Maybe it's a relationship. Maybe it's a relationship at work that's not healthy. And you need to put a boundary around that this morning. Maybe you see your kids and how you're parenting right now, and they just seem completely, and we've had seasons of this, where they seem completely out of, like, is there any rules in this place? Do they do whatever they want, whenever they want, at any time? If you're feeling that way, it's probably time for a boundary. And kids actually love it. They're upset at you initially, she's saying, she's Noelle Shaker was like, no, I don't like that boundary. Oh, but they do. They actually feel more loved when you set a boundary. That's a whole parenting class. We'll do that on another day. And there are questions we have to ask ourselves. Because many times when we're feeling the pressure, we're feeling no peace, it's because we haven't set a boundary in that area of our life. And these questions we have to ask ourselves: do I have peace about it? Does it fit in? with my goals and priorities? Does it work for my family? Is it even healthy? These are just some of the questions we have to begin to ask ourselves as we begin to make boundaries in our life so that when we do say yes, it can be yes. And when we do say no, it can be a no. So bow your heads with me this morning. Thank you, Lord. Praise you. Father, we just thank you that your word, that your faithfulness to us is yes and amen. That you are a God of your word. You're a God of truth. So, Father, we want to reflect that in our own lives. Lord, I ask this morning that you would help us to be truthful in our speech. That, Lord, the things that we say will be the things that we mean. Lord, that we would be slow to speak. Lord, that we even, as we said earlier, Lord, that we would have a kind answer to something that begins to turn away wrath. That, Lord, we would mark and watch the words that we say, for your word says there are life and death are in the power of our tongue. So Lord, I pray that we would speak life with our words. Father, help us to be people who are faithful to follow through. To do what you've called us to go do. To follow through in the covenants and commitments that we have made. Lord, we seek you this morning. If there's anyone here who has been indecisive, who needs to have a yes or a no to a decision in their life. Father, we just release that to you now. If that's you this morning, just slip your hand up. No one's going to come around and pray for you. I just want to know that I just want to see your hand, that if that's you today, if you're in the midst of a decision-making process, I want you to know that God gives liberally all of the wisdom that we need. So, Father, you see those hands, you know those people this morning. Lord, we ask for your supernatural wisdom to be imparted to them, that they will know decidedly on which way to do yes or no, right or left, whatever it is, Father God, that's in front of them, that you would speak to their hearts even now, that you would make clear their path and their next steps. That they would feel like they're no longer the squirrel in the middle of the road, Lord, but they're safely on the side in which you've called them to be on. And Lord, I just pray for all of us this morning that we would be able to set boundaries to protect those things which are most important and precious in our lives. Lord, in our marriages, that we would set the proper boundaries and guidelines. Lord, with our parenting, Lord, that you would strengthen us to set boundaries, healthy boundaries for our children. In our jobs, Lord. And even in ministry, Lord. So Lord, we thank you for this morning. We thank you for all that you're doing and working in our lives. We give you all the honor and the praise and the glory today. In Jesus' name. Amen. Church, as we close, we have some prayer teams that are going to be up here. If you've never made Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior, you've heard a lot about Jesus all through today. we were singing about Jesus. We've talked about him. We did communion. If you've never just, dis- if there's something on the inside of you that is just drawing you, saying, I need to tell somebody today. I've yet to make Jesus Christ my Lord and Savior, and I want to commit to that today. There'll be people up here who will pray with you, who will lead you in that prayer and give you guidance and steps of what's next in your life. You may also come up here for prayer for any other reason. Maybe you need healing. Maybe it's a relationship. Maybe you're struggling to set boundaries in some portion of your life, and you're struggling to say no when you need to be able to say no. They'll pray with you, and they'll encourage you this morning. So let me send you off with this, the benediction out of Hebrews 13. It says, Therefore, let us go forth to him, outside the camp, bearing his reproach. For here we have no continuing city, but we seek the one who is to come. Therefore, by him, let us continually offer a sacrifice of praise to God that is the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name. Amen. And amen. Thank you, guys. We love you all.